Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. The stories that I have for you today may seem like a bit of a grab bag, but at their core, they deal a lot with the idea of dreams, of awareness, and that strange line between sleeping and waking. What's real and what isn't? When do we know that we're awake? And what do we see when we're asleep? And what happens when those lines get blurred? Do we start to see and hear things that aren't really there? Or are we seeing them clearly for the first time, when our brains are most willing to accept it? Take a listen to these stories and decide for yourself. Okay, ready to get spooked? Our first story comes from John Bates, starting us off with a strange encounter they had while all alone in a converted theater building. When I was 13, my mom and I moved from our suburban city outside of Dallas to her hometown near Waco, Texas. Shortly after we arrived, she and I both got involved in the local community theater. She acted and directed, and I did crew work until I eventually took up acting myself. The main theater building was a corrugated steel addition on a much older brick building. This older building was once a college, but now served as a general arts center. This building also has a reputation of being haunted. Performers and crew members had all experienced something. Lights getting shut off, whispers behind them, shadow people, etc. My first experience was when I was 13. My mom was rehearsing on stage as we did most weeknights, and I was in the green room. The green room served as sort of a lounge for people who weren't on stage or weren't needed immediately backstage. I was there alone doing homework when suddenly I could hear children laughing. This wouldn't be too surprising normally. The couch I was seated on was directly against the exterior facing wall and this was a tin building after all. It wouldn't be odd to hear children laughing as they played in the empty parking lot of the theater right on the other side of that wall. The laughing persisted however and got louder. I decided I would investigate, so I got up and opened the exit door. Immediately, the laughter stopped. There were no children outside or anywhere in sight. I was the only child on set that day. I shook off the odd feeling that had gripped me and turned to go back to my homework. As I turned, I saw in the doorway to the backstage corridor the silhouette of a little girl. She was maybe five or six, judging by her height, and wearing what looked to be a prairie dress. She then turned away from me and ran to the backstage corridor, laughing the whole way. I waited a moment to make sure I was still alone, grabbed my homework, and ran backstage. I stayed there the rest of the night. I must reiterate, I was the only child on set that day. Additionally, the play we were working on took place in modern times and did not call for any cast to be wearing prairie dresses. 
My mom and I have always been pretty open when it comes to stuff like this, and remain that way to this day. So I told her about the encounter in the presence of another friend and actor. This friend perked up immediately. She said she had seen the same little girl multiple times and that she was rumored to be the daughter of one of the college presidents who had fallen off the roof of the building and died. She told us that this girl was a prankster, that she would turn off the lights in the room you were in or move your belongings to another part of the room when you weren't looking. However, she only did these things when you were alone. This friend told us that once she was on top of some scaffolding, painting a set facade when the lights suddenly turned out. She could hear the giggles of the little girl immediately after the room had fallen dark. In this darkness, she had to navigate the scaffolding, carefully climb down the ladder and go all the way across the theater to turn the lights back on. This story reminds me of the ghost light, but taken to a much more literal place. For anyone unfamiliar with theater lore, it's tradition to leave on a single bulb, a ghost light, in empty theaters after they've cleared out for the night, to either frighten off mischievous spirits or to light the way for them and keep them happy and out of trouble. In this case, I'm inclined to think that the light did the latter, lighting up this dark space so that this little ghost girl can keep laughing and smiling long after the curtain closes. Our next story comes from KC. They bring us a chilling memory of a night they spent at their grandparents' home and the seemingly malevolent presence that lurks there. I wanted to share a story of what happened to me on a trip to my grandparents around Christmas time in what I believe was 2015. This is something that has never happened since then and never really happened to that extent before. I never spent the night at my grandparents' house very often growing up. They had a really neat ranch and I always hated the feeling of being in the dark there, but that was it mostly. After my parents moved far away from them, Things changed, and I'd spend a few days around Christmas at their house. My grandmother collected lots and lots of antiques after she got married, and her house was full of them, so it was a cool place. Things were different after we made this shift to staying at my grandparents' house for a few days every year. There was this feeling of rules that I got from the house, or maybe I learned them. I had to be in my bedroom by 11 p.m., Otherwise, a strange feeling would well up around me. It started low and slow and would ratchet up with intensity. It would hit me even when I would go to the bathroom. It was like an incredible and dreadful feeling of being watched all over, combined with a silent screaming that I couldn't hear, yet would slowly get louder. At 2 a.m. and any time after that, the feeling or entity would be gone and I could peacefully use the bathroom or leave my bedroom. On one trip, I decided to ignore it. I told my parents about the weirdness and what I'd felt, and they told me it was all in my imagination. I was young and had graduated from college by then, so I felt really mature and that I had a big brain. 
everyone else went to bed and I remember sitting on a lazy boy chair watching Full Metal Jacket on TV. It was 11pm so I was a little aware, but I just turned on all the lights. I had a really hard time focusing on the movie. I started to feel like I was being watched. I looked towards the areas in the room where my brain was suggesting the feeling was coming from, but there was nothing there. It continued to get worse and worse, like a heavy weight bearing down on me and freaking me out to the point that I grabbed the remote to turn the TV off. And then, suddenly, the feeling stopped. I was totally comfortable and thought that I had faced my fear. About 20 minutes later, a painting on the wall suddenly shifted. I was startled as the painting was very large and it made a thud sound when it moved. A second later, the couch beneath it shifted away from the wall about an inch. The couch was a huge antique thing that couldn't have moved by itself. Suddenly, the intensity of feeling eyes on me and the silent screaming was turned up to 11. I remember turning off the TV and the lights and running to my bedroom. Unfortunately, it somehow felt even worse in the bedroom, like I was being pulled by a weak force to the closet in the bedroom. I felt sick and I remember crying. I fought the urge to go to the closet, pulled through and retreated to the bathroom. I closed the door and locked it. I sat on the floor by the shower opposite the door and watched the door, trembling. I thought about crying for help, but my parents had made me feel so bad about the things I told them before that I knew I couldn't tell them anything. Everything calmed for a minute, and I got up onto my knees. As I did, I watched a pencil roll off the bathroom counter and under the closed door. Daring to crack the door open, I watched the pencil roll down the hall and under the floor in my bedroom. I closed the bathroom door and I waited. I remember I had my phone, so I looked at the time. It was 30 minutes until 2 a.m. I waited on the floor of the bathroom and when 2 a.m. came around, I felt the grip on me fully go away and I felt safe again. I opened the door to my bedroom and for some reason felt totally safe and able to sleep in my bed. I climbed into the bed and slept, exhausted but unafraid. The next morning I woke up and went into the living room. My parents and grandparents asked me about the couch and the painting, and after explaining how I had no idea how they moved, I helped them put everything back. After breakfast, I opened my closet door and checked inside. What I saw absolutely startled me. I saw a shotgun with bullets and access up into the dark attic with the hatch fully open. I have never been in nor slept in that room ever since. <laughs> okay, you're a lot braver than I am, KC. At the first bad feeling, I would have been curled up under my covers, eyes squeezed, firmly closed, and waited until 2am came around again so I could safely go back to sleep. If I've learned anything from all of these stories, it's that you should always trust your gut. Our next story comes from Billy, who recounts some unsettling dreams they've been having about their boyfriend, or rather, something pretending to be their boyfriend. 
This started months ago when my boyfriend Aiden's family moved into a new apartment. I slept at his place every night. Seeing my boyfriend in my dreams wasn't weird to me. It felt like seeing another person in my dreams, until one dream I had. In it, I come home to him. He greeted me, but something was off about him. His eyes. His eyes just weren't right, and I knew this wasn't him. He ended up stabbing me, and I immediately woke from my dream. I thought that'd be the end of it, but more and more I started seeing my boyfriend in my dreams, all while feeling an entirely different presence. This seems to most frequently happen when he leaves early for work and I continue sleeping. The dreams were always harmless before now, like just talking to him or sitting with him. But now, they're a little more extreme. Now, these dreams usually compared with sleep paralysis. It's not something I'm unfamiliar with, but I've always had scary experiences with it before. A man singing in my ear a silhouette at the end of the bed, something crawling up on me from my feet to my face. My new sleep paralysis is different. It's always this presence impersonating Aiden's movements, like shifting in the bed next to me or talking in his voice or sniffing or just breathing. During one of these times, I kept telling myself it wasn't him, that it couldn't be him. I actually said no out loud. I felt the person next to me sit up and say, All right, come here. And then, while I was face down, he rested his heavy weight onto my back while I struggled to wake up. Luckily, I did before anything else happened. This morning, I was sleeping lightly and entered sort of a lucid dream. I was sitting on the bed, dreaming of Aiden walking in and taking his place next to me. But this time, I was aware of what was happening. This time, I looked him straight in the eye. Over time, this present's eyes had grown so scarily similar to Aiden's. Identical, even. It's creepy how much it looks like him now. He brought his face to mine, a really familiar look and feeling, but I backed off, just staring him dead in the eye. He wasn't happy. What are you doing? He asked, in a tone Aiden would never use. I just went ahead and asked him, Who are you? To which this presence, Dream Aiden, got upset. Not just upset, he was raging with anger, yelling at me as to why I would ask that. Shortly after, I woke up and found myself in another paralysis. Before anything could happen, I woke myself up. I'm scared of this presence. It just feels wrong how he tries to take over as soon as Aiden leaves. I have no idea how to research this online, however. Okay, so if there's anything that seems truly terrifying... It's sleep paralysis. We know that our brains can conjure up some truly terrifying nightmares. And to think that people need to experience those horrors even while awake, while being completely helpless to do anything about it, it's absolutely horrifying. If we come across any advice or information on how to deal with something like this, Billy, I'll make sure to pass it along. 
Hopefully, you find nothing but sweet and dreamless sleep going forward. Our next story comes from Angie, who found that playing a harmless game with her little brother led to an experience that was a little harder to explain than they might have expected. My youngest brother is 13 years younger than me. We used to play hide-and-seek all the time when he was between two and three years old. I stopped playing, though, after a weird experience that occurred back in 1999. I was always a nerdy girl and even enjoyed doing homework after school at our dining room table. Every evening, my little brother Eddie would come running from someplace in the house and say, Come find me! He then proceeded to hide in the same spot every time. His hiding spot was in the living room behind one of those big old-school floor speakers. The living room and dining room are separated by a wall, so I'd have to walk around it and towards the corner of the living room to find Eddie. I would look around asking, I wonder where Eddie could be, he's hiding so well, before I'd jump behind the speaker and yell, found you. He'd squeal with delight and run away while I chased him to wherever my parents were to save him. Then I'd go back to doing homework. Well, except for that last time. I was sitting doing homework as usual and Eddie came running up to me. He didn't say anything, but I knew what he wanted. I said, Oh no, Eddie is too good at hiding. I don't know if I'll be able to find him this time. I watched him take off around the wall and I gave him a minute to hide. I put down my pencil and began the routine. After a moment of searching, I jumped in front of his spot, but the words I was about to utter caught in my throat. The spot was empty. At that moment, I heard Eddie's giggling coming from my parents' room on the other side of the house. There's no way he could have made it down the hall without me seeing or hearing his footsteps reverberate off the marble flooring. I went over and tried to open my parents' bedroom door, but... It was locked. I knocked and waited. My mother opened up a few seconds later and asked why I looked so confused. I asked her if Eddie had just been out in the living room and she said no. She told me that he'd been with her in the room for some time. I felt like a lead weight had dropped into the pit of my stomach. I didn't explain anything to my mom at that point. Just asked if I could finish my homework in her room. Eddie didn't act any different, but I refused to play hide-and-seek with him anymore. Recently, it happened again. Sort of. I'm 37 now, with two kids of my own. My seven-year-old daughter likes to hide whenever we're visiting grandma and grandpa in that same house. The speakers are gone, and she does change up her hiding spots. However, the area where Eddie's hiding spot used to be still works. The difference is, now there's a couch to hide behind instead. About a week ago, I walked into my parents' house to pick my daughter up after visitation with her father. My parents were in their bedroom, but I have a key to the house, so I let myself in. I assumed my daughter was already there, so when I heard a noise coming from the living room, I figured it was just her hiding again. I walked quietly to the living room, toward the couch, and was about to jump and scare her. When I heard the front door open, in came my daughter. 
all smiles, running to hug me. I looked over and there was no one behind the couch. I definitely hadn't mentioned the story to her, or anyone, until right now. What the heck is going on? Angie, the fact that this experience has followed you across the years is really chilling to say the least. It leads me to think that there might be something about the house that links these experiences rather than the game itself. Maybe next time, a few games of Ring Around the Rosie might be a safer bet. Our final story today comes from Twice Upon a December, wrapping us up with a trifecta of paranormal, an old jail, a ghostly figure, and a violent history. So like two years ago, a group of friends and I went to stay at the Ottawa Jail Hostel because we made a website to write about horror-related stuff and we thought it'd be fun to do a group outing and maybe get some live tweeting and articles going about what happened. The Ottawa Jail Hostel, for anyone who doesn't know, is supposed to be a really haunted building in Ottawa, Canada. It was originally the Carleton County Jail where prisoners were kept and hung, but then after it shut down, it was turned into a hostel. The Haunted Walk of Ottawa goes through there, and they also do their own tour that includes history both of the building itself and the paranormal. Anyway, nothing too big really happened at first. There was a bathroom at the end of the hall from the room the five of us stayed in, and two of my friends went there to check it out. There was a door at the back of the bathroom for the actual toilet to separate it from the shower, and one friend went in to check that out. When the other friend went to follow her in, the door was partially open, but it was like something was pushing it from the other side, so she couldn't get it to open. The friend inside swore she wasn't touching it. I suppose we can't prove this, but yeah. When we tried later, the door moved with ease and was incredibly light. Later, on the fourth floor, two of my friends, one of whom was a skeptic and was making jokes most of the time, claimed they could hear water running. They had looked around the entire floor before and after, and they were wrong. No showers were running, it wasn't raining outside, and they couldn't find anything else that could even be a potential source of running water. One of the friends even claimed she could feel something following her, so much so that she and the other friend decided they wanted to go back to the room instead. I probably should have given them names sooner. But from here forward, we'll just call them E, A, C, and K. In the wee hours of the morning, I don't remember exactly, but it had to be around 3 or 4 a.m. A and C were still downstairs, but myself, E, and K were in our room in bed. The room had three bunk beds. I was on top of one, and K was sleeping beneath me. A and C were in another set, and E was sleeping on top of the bunk across from myself and K, while the bunk beneath her was just empty. I was having trouble sleeping at first. I heard E come into the room and settle into bed, and I could hear K snoring from the bottom bunk. K doesn't really do well if she's lacking sleep, and I was worried, but once I heard her snoring, I felt better. 
Eventually, I drifted off to sleep. Suddenly, and I cannot express enough how this has never happened to me, I woke up by sitting straight up in the bed, literally like you'd see in the movies. I shot up in the bed, suddenly wide awake. I didn't feel like anything was watching me. I didn't feel like something bad was happening. I didn't feel scared, I just felt like I needed to be awake, and it was like my brain and body were way ahead of me, because I barely had the thought before I was sitting bolt upright. A and C's bunks were still empty, and K and E were still asleep, but across the room near E's bed, there was this figure. I still don't know how to explain it, but basically, you know when you first wake up and Your eyes are full of sleep and your vision is blurry and a little shimmery. It was like that, but a defined shape right there by E's bed. The rest of the room around it was not blurry, which is how I know it wasn't just my vision. And like I said, it was a clear shape. It wasn't quite defined, but it was the approximate size of an adult human, just without the definition. I didn't feel bothered though, I didn't feel scared or anxious or in the presence of something malevolent. I didn't feel like myself or E or any of us were in danger, but I also couldn't pull my eyes away from it. After a few minutes, I literally just laid back down and went to sleep. This is so unlike me. I have sleep paralysis frequently, I'm afraid of the shadows in my room, and I'm just generally a jumpy person. I'm not someone who sees figures and just goes back to sleep like it was nothing. In the morning, I had almost forgotten about it at first and didn't even tell the group until an hour or so later. The thing that gets me the most though is that I did research when I got home. Apparently, a lot of people who stay in the hostel report seeing a figure standing at the end of their beds in the middle of the night. One that wakes them up very suddenly. A lot of people seem to think it's Patrick Whelan, the last person to be hung at the jail. Twice upon a December, thank you so much for sharing the story. It really does bring up everything that you could ask for out of a good ghost story. And thankfully, you got through the night safely. I wonder how many people experience seeing the same apparition in the same spot or if it moves around the building night after night, spooking someone in a different way every time. I'm sure there are a lot more stories that stem from this jail, and maybe one day we'll be able to hear some more. Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help us out. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now, or at hauntedpod.com. Production assistance provided by Aaliyah Lopez. Writing assistance by Meg Williams. Audio engineer is Chez at Gray Multimedia. Producer is Neeks at We Talk of Dreams. Until next time. Did you hear that?